have in the, a few all-stars mentioned in here. Actually, if you look back at verse number, chapter 7, verse number uh, 59, there's, there's like varsity guys of the Bible here mentioned. Um, we mention, he mentions a few of them. In Acts chapter 7, verse number 59, it says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when they had said this, he fell asleep. Verse chapter 8, and Saul was consenting unto his death, and at the time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and, and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many had taken with palsies that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. We're going to pray, but I want to call this today a match made in heaven. A match made in heaven. Let's bow for prayer. Father, you are good, and you are kind, and even this morning, God, we are humbled that we get to be together once more. There are people here, Father, that are closer to you, and there are no doubt people here that are farther from you than they've been. We pray, Father, whatever the need of the hour is, whatever that heart needs, that they would understand truly that You are the desire that they're seeking, that you are the well that that woman went after in John chapter number four. As Jesus said that drink of this water and you'll never thirst again. Who can make a claim that big? Only Jesus. So Father, I pray this morning as we speak and as your word goes out that we would be we would live in, in, a, in a mindset of to not let this life pass, to not let this day pass without being set afire for your calls, that you would empty us of ourselves and fill us with your spirit. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. In 2007 in California, a little boy was playing with one match of ma- matches and he, with one match, lit a fire that destroyed 38,000 acres of land. One single match made that much of an impact and that much devastation. He was 10 years old at the time. 38,000 acres with one single match. And you go to story after story after story how a little thing can become a big thing, how a little thing can impact a whole lot of land and a whole lot of territory and a whole lot of things. When we think about in the Bible, we think about in Scripture, there's actually what's happening here is there's a revival that's going to take place and Samaria is going to be changed by a man who goes and preaches Christ in that place. But I want you to think tonight, this morning of just the impact of one life, the impact of one little single match and the, the, the impact that can have over acres and acres of land. I want you to think for just a moment, for the next few moments, about your little life and your one, one time here on earth and the impact and the possibility that exists based on your one little life. 
Because what we have here in Acts chapter number 8, and Acts chapter 8 and verse number 1, we see a man, we see this man going through in verse number 5. The man's name is Philip. And Philip is one of the original deacons. He's not a pastor. He's a servant. His name's not in a bulletin. His name's not in lights. He's just a servant is what he is. And his name is Philip, and he's a man. And that helps me to know that he's not a superman. He's not superhuman. He's a guy. He's someone that God uses in the grand scheme of his plan. He's not someone that you would pick out of a, out of a group and say, this is going to be the speaker. Someone's going to announce him, say nice things about him. It's good to have Philip here with us today, and everybody's going to clap. Not that at all. Philip's just a man. But Philip is serving someone that's so much greater than he is. So a man goes into a city, and he has a message. Verse number 5, then Philip went down the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So Philip went down, that's the man. He went down to the Samaria and he preached Christ unto him, that's the message. So you have a man who has a message. And the message is, he preached Christ unto them. And I believe with all my heart that will still work. Amen. We would preach Christ unto them. So the man goes down with a message, and what would we preach about Christ? You say, should everything be about Christ? Yes, it should be. I think you should sing about Christ. I think you should teach Christ. I think you should preach Christ. I think you should visit with Christ in mind, do Bible school with Christ in mind. I think the whole thing should be Christ and Christ alone. I think the whole thing should be about Him. You should preach about His virgin birth. I think it's important. It's impo we know it's important. The virgin birth is the key. The Bible says, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. Jesus was the sinless Savior of the world. Why can Jesus save us? Because he had no sin. Why can't you fix the problem? Because you are the problem. Why can't I save myself? Because I am the problem. I think we should preach about his virgin birth. Not just at Christmas time, but Jesus Christ was the virgin birth born Son of God. God, God the Father sent His Son. That's preaching Christ. We should also preach His perfect life. Jesus lived a sinless life. It's hard for us to live a sinless minute, but He lived a sinless life. His life was perfect. He didn't sin in thought. He didn't sin in deed. He didn't sin in word. There was never a sin that He ever committed. He was tempted in ways that's unimaginable that by Satan himself tempting Christ, and he didn't budge. It is written. It is written. It is written. When we preach Christ, we preach his virgin birth. When we preach Christ, we preach that he lived a perfect, sinless life. And we ought to think about that from time to time. Because you get in traffic, and you blow that one, right? <laughs> one thing happens, and some of you right now, you're like, when's this over, sinner? It's all, you know, it's like the thoughts. It's like all the things that, that get us caught up in things. But the way, the, when we think about his sinless life, we should think about his sacrificial death. When we preach Christ, we preach his sacrificial death. That Jesus died a death that he didn't deserve. It was our death that he died. Uh, the, if the wages of sin is death, he had no sin. So those must have been someone else's sins. They were our sins. Not his sins that he were di was dying for. So when we preach Christ, we preach his virgin birth, we preach his perfect life, we preach his sacrificial death, 
And thank God we preach His bodily resurrection. Up from the grave, Jesus Christ arose from the dead. And we preach that. And not just on Easter, we preach that. That that 10 out of 10 people die. That one man stepped in the ring with death and death was defeated. Jesus put death to death on that day when he came out of the grave. So we see that we preach his virgin birth. So you say, well, what's Philip talking about? Philip went and preached Christ. And that's what I preach, that's what I give to you this morning. I have nothing greater to offer you. I have nothing bigger that I can give you. There's nothing more that I can say to you that we preach Christ. We don't just preach what he did and what he was when he, while he was here. We preach all that he has to say about what he said when he was here. We preach what he has to say about sin. We preach what he has to say about sin. Not what culture has to say about sin. Not what your neighbor has to say about sin. And please, not what social media has to say about sin. But we preach what Christ has to say about sin. And, and what's happened is, is we've, we change the umpire so the strike zone changes. But I want you to know the umpire hasn't changed when it comes to sin. When we preach Christ, we go to Him and say, what does He have to say about sin? We preach what He has to say about death. We preach what He has to say about heaven and hell. We preach what Christ has to say about judgment. It's what He has to say. We preach Christ what He has to say about love and who we are to love and how we are to love and where, what this love does in our lives. We do that. We preach what He has to say. We preach what Christ has to say about salvation. Not what our uncle or aunt or somebody down the road says about it. What does He have to say about salvation? We preach what Christ has to say about repentance. We preach what He has to say about turning from sin and turning to the cross in faith. So I turn from my sin and I turn to the cross in faith. We preach what Christ has to say about that. Or when it comes to our opinions, we put those aside and say, what does Jesus have to say about that? We preach what Christ has to say about forgiveness. What does He have to say about what forgiveness actually looks like and what it means? What does Jesus have to say about those things. That's preaching Christ. And I don't think you can exhaust that. You can't get to the bottom of that. You can't put your feet in there and say, now I'm, now, now I'm to a place where I've reached the end of Jesus. You'll never stop being able to preach Christ. Thankful for places that sing about Him and teach about Him and talk about Him. Your conversation should be filled with Him. Why? Because Jesus is the Christ. So we preach Him. And you keep preaching Him. And if you're bored with Him, you keep preaching Him. And if people are still bored, you keep preaching. Why? Because it's Jesus and Christ alone that we preach. He is our salvation. He's not just the diving board that gets you into the, the gospel. He's the entire pool that we live in. The Apostle Paul was talking about how we're saved in the past, we're saved in the present, we're saved in the future. He has taken care of our past, our present, and our future. I never get tired of hearing about Jesus. That's the man. That's the message. The message? Well, there's Daniel Webster. There was a politician that, and a scholar. He lived in D.C. And Daniel Webster attended a small country church, even though he lived in D.C. and uh, he, was, he was working in Washington. 
his little niece asked him one day, said, Uncle Daniel, why do you go to that little church? There are so many fancy churches where you can hear a much better delivery than that little church. He replied, young lady, in those fancy churches, they preach to Daniel Webster, the statesman. In my little country church, they preach to Daniel Webster, the sinner, and they point him to the Savior. That's the difference. So find you a place that preaches Christ. Find you a place that will preach to that part of you that needs Jesus, that, needs him, that points you to Him. That's the man, that's the message, and the miracle is in verse number 6, the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake. Hearing and seeing the miracles. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice come out many that were possessed with them. Many were taken back with palsies and were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in the city. That's the miracles that took place. There was great joy in the city. So the man is Philip. The message is Jesus. And the miracle is there was all these miracles taking place, but there was great joy in the city. Now, direct question, do you have joy? I'm not talking about happiness, because happiness is based on happenings, but do you have true joy in your life? You say, that's the missing thing in my life, is that I don't really know, I don't have joy, but do you have, do you have this joy? This, I have happiness, and happiness changes based on whatever happens, but do you truly have inside of you a true joy? Do you get joy from watching baby believers take their first step? That's, that's, fills me with joy to watch that. It ought to fill you with joy to know that, that somebody's eternity has changed. Their whole eternity is different because of what Christ has done in their life. That's the, the man and the message and the miracles. And you're like, okay, when do we eat? But the point is this, as we see this is, is as we begin, as we begin to look at this and looking at revivals throughout, throughout the Old Testament, and they're actually... Revivals that we don't look at a lot and talk about a lot. But I, as I was looking at this and thinking, man, the, the whole city, there was great joy in that city. And what happened? I mean, it's just Philip, right? It's just, it's just one match. It's just one guy. I mean, it's just like one guy, Philip. Oh, Philip, I mean, there's a lot of, ma- there's a lot of lives God could have chose from. Why do you pick him? Why did he choose him? And how did one guy end up going, one man with one message? What's with all the miracles? What is there in, what is there in, in order that you would say, okay, when a revival takes place, when you see them throughout even the Old Testament, there's some things that are consistent in every one of them. And I want you to think about these things, and then at the end I want to show you something that's, that's key in all of these. Because when you're talking about what's, what's, what is my life going to count? Is it really going to matter? Am I really going to be someone that's going to make an impact? And, and what does that look like? And what's the qualifications for that? If there's qualifications, can I meet those qualifications? Or does God, is the match actually made in heaven? And what does that look like? And in every revival that you see, when it comes to these characteristics of biblical revivals, I'll run through some of these with you. It's, they always occur in times of moral darkness. Do we qualify? We're one for one, aren't we? 
in, in times of moral darkness. So when there's moral darkness, every time revival took place that you'll find throughout the scriptures, you'll see a time of moral darkness. I think we're moving along. We're okay on that one. And I think each revival we see rested on the word of God and most of them the result of proclaiming God's word. Each revival rested on the word of God. Every single when you go through and see it, you'll see there was a time of moral decay, and there was there was this I, there was this thought that we're going to go back to the word of God. It is the word of God that sparks it. It's the word of God that starts it, and that's what we go back to. We point back to the word of God. In every revival that you'll see throughout there, you'll see that all resulted in a return to worship. Worship is a key factor when you think about revival. It's how's your worship. When revival takes place in the heart of someone, there is a return to, a big, to the bigness of God. To understand how small I am and how big He is. There's a return to that. In all these revivals, and each revival, there was a destruction of idols where they existed. In every one of them, there's, there's moral decay, moral darkness. There is a return to the Word of God. There's a return to the worship of God. And in every revival, there's idols that are being destroyed. They're getting rid of little gods and turning to the true big God. In every revival you'll see, in, in, this, in Scripture you'll see in every revival, the people return to obeying God's laws. They return to obeying what God had to say. I think we need to do that, don't you? In every revival, there was restoration of great joy and gladness. Joy came as a result of these biblical revivals. Each revival we see was followed by a, by a period of national prosperity. In every one of them, you'll go through and flip through in, in Scripture, whether it be in Asa or Joash or Josiah or Haggai or Ezra and Nehemiah. In all these, these characteristics existed. It was dark, and, somebody, and there, there's this national thing, this national darkness. And, but the Word of God is proclaimed, and then people return to worship. And as they return to worship, they're like, if I'm going to worship Him, then I can't worship these and so we turn from those idols and worship Him is what we do. And then we, as we worship Him, there's, we return to this and there's, there's, we obey God's laws. What does God have to say? Josiah was an eight-year-old king and he, he, got the, he got the scriptures out and he returned to what God had to say. He's eight years old. And what are we, how are we going to do this? I'm going to return to what God has to say. There is, in every revival, a period of great joy and gladness. And every revival was followed by a period of prosperity and national prosperity. And what we have in Acts chapter number 8 is, is a man and a message, and we have God doing great miracles and joy and bringing great joy to that city. Now, what does that have to do with you and me? Well, I wanted to save the last one for the point of how many of these characteristics that are in order. I want to save the last one for this because this is the key to, to all of this. Every single one of these biblical revivals you'll see throughout the Old Testament, every single one of them began in the heart of one consecrated servant of God who God used to light a fire and a spark. Every single one of them. When you go through, you'll find that God always had one single match. 
in every one of them. God just chose one single match, and he would pull that out, and, and he would light that life on fire, and then that life would burn, and it would burn acres of land. And that life would be lit for him, and for whatever the reason, in the sovereign, sovereignty of his hand, he would pick someone out of there, and that life would burn, and then that life would burn others, and, that light would, and, it, would, and it would flash across acres of land, or a, a city, a town, a nation, and in every single one of them, God used one single match. And I don't know where you are this morning, I don't know where you sat, but I want you to think this morning of a big branch church this morning, I want you to think of of just a box. And in that box are some lives. And you're in there. There you are. You're in there. And down the road, there's a box. And down the road, there's a box. And over in Huntington, there's a box. And other places, there's a box. And we have, there's lives in there. I want you to think about your little life among those matches and your little life among these people. And some of you, I'd say, well, why are you in this box? You'd say, I've always been in this box. My grandparents went to that box. Or their dad went to that box, and why are you here? Well, I, there's food, that's why. No, I'm here because we've always been to this box. Why are you in this box? Well, it's the closest box to my house, right? That's why I'm here, the closest box to my house. So I'm here because I'm in the closest box to my house, and I kind of come here because it's convenient. I'm just here. And so when you think about, your, you think about the box you're in, I want you to think about that. The good news about it is, is to have revival and to really see revival in the box you really don't need the whole box. You really don't. You just need one match. So the truth of the matter is you really just need one match. You just need one person. You just need one, one, one consecrated servant who would say, I, I don't want my life to pass without ever being lit for his cause and for his purpose. There's what's interesting. What we do is with these boxes, sometimes we'll take a match out of one box, we'll bring him to your box, and hopefully he'll light that box. And sometimes we bring like 20 of them, have them, have them come in, and they go to another box, and their job is to make sure that box sets on fire. Some people make, I mean, have a good life just running around from box to box, going from place to place, box to box, and maybe this will be the place that will burn for Christ. I want to make a suggestion to you today. I want to suggest that you might volunteer. If God be good and God be great and God, as He is and God be in His sovereign hand, that you might volunteer to say, if you are going to light a life, please make it mine. If you are going to pull somebody out of a box that maybe, and it may, it's not, I'm not talking about you, Big Branch. I know what God is doing in you, and it's beautiful. If you're in a place where you would say, I, I can't, if I get one life, I do not want to spend it amongst the dry other matches in this box. I, you, might, you might never burn for him, but I want to burn for him. You may, ne- you may be comfortable in this box. You may say, I don't need to be bothered in my box. I like my box. I like where I'm at. I'm not bothered by that. You, you, you say, and that's fine, but your life is passing. Your life is it's, it's moving fast. And to live a life, I want you to think the terror of never truly 
seeing God move on your behalf. Guys, God can use your life. God can get a hold of your life and you can be so much, you can be so used of Him. But you say, well, I, what if I like my box? What if I like where I'm at? And, and maybe God will just say, well, if you like where you're at, then that's fine. But there may be someone here that says, I want to burn for Christ. To, re- to get come to a place where you would beg God, God, don't let me live this life for me. Refuse to go another day or decade burning for something other than Him, than being called to, to do anything other than, I want to reach people for you. What would happen this morning if you were to say, God, I, I, don't, need, I don't understand all of this. I just know that we've got, we've got moral darkness. I know we can return to the Word. I know we can return to obeying your laws. I know the, 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 the mess our world is in or nations are in or whatever. But if that's true, if you truly will choose, if you truly in your sovereign will pick somebody up out of the box and let them burn for you, God, I, I, I'll sign up for that. Or, you can just stay in the box. It doesn't seem like a good decision, does it? But it's easy to stay dry. It's easy to get to a place where you say, you know what, that seems like a lot of effort. I think I'd just rather stay like I am. And that would be fine if you don't, if you don't consider the fact that your life is passing. In the fact that we see this and what we see in Philip and we see in the message and we see in the miracles, we see that God took one single servant. And he always does when you look through Scripture. He chooses a man, he chooses a woman, he chooses somebody and says, this one's going to burn for me. If you're here this morning and you think, What in the world am I doing? What's my aim in life? What am I actually after? What am I actually chasing after? We talked last night about your aim. I want you to know that no matter where you are today, no matter where you came from, or no matter where you're going after after you leave here, your life can count for eternity. So just, Ryan, just close the box and leave us alone. I don't think Big Branch wants that at all. I think Big Branch is the type of people that says, no, 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 if you, well, you take 10 of us if you want to, or 12 of us, or 15 of us. What if all of us would say, God, my life is your life. You gave me this life. My life will count for you because you're the one who gave it. And you say, this is, this is not something that we just say, okay, I want to do it. It's something that's it's a match made in heaven that, that God has chosen sovereignly, that God has called us and God is using us and God is, want, God is wanting to set our lives on fire for him. We just have to come to him and say, God, I'm in. Light this life. Don't let this life pass. Without ever shining for him. When you sit here this morning as we get ready to land, I want you to think about not just where you've been. I want you to think about where you are. I want you to think about where you're headed. I want you to think about where you're headed if you stay the way you are, if you keep going the direction you're going. I want you to know that God, right in the middle of all that, God can stop you where you are and change your direction this morning. 
If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that you can come to this place, you can come to this preacher, you can come to these people, and you can say, hey, hey, what's, I want uh, that baptism thing. What was that all about? You can come to them, and you can, you can change your direction this morning. And for those of you who are just dry, you can burn for him. You can come to a place where you say, God, I want to be set on fire for you. And what does that even mean and what does it even look like? It means we surrender our lives into his hands and we say, God, it's what you want. And whatever you want, one by one, we live our lives one at a time, figuring out where God wants us to go. We make it our aim to please him. Somewhere in this room, in a crowd this size, there's someone who is tired of just sitting around a bunch of dry matches. There's someone probably in this room that says, that is exactly what I'm chasing. I want my life to count. I want my life to count, and it can count, but the only way it counts is if it's used up for him. Nothing else will matter. So this morning I want you to think, am I content to stay like I am? Or do I want to burn for him? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you so much for your attention. You are you are here this morning, and you say, Ryan, I'm uh, I've gotten a little dry. I have gotten to a place in my life where I don't worship like I used to, I don't pray like I used to, I don't read the Bible like I used to, I'm just dry. I have no idea why God would make our focus revival, but He's God and we're not. I wonder this morning um, if you're if you're ever going to be If you're ever going to be in terror of the fact that your life may pass without ever being lit for his calls, does it shake you any to think, I'm not just here for for my batting average or good grades or, or the house or the money or the retirement. I'm here for Christ. I'm not just here because... I want to be famous. I want to be seen. I'm here because I'm supposed to be burning for Him. And I want you to know this morning that you can, you can come to Him. And you're here and you say, Ryan, I'm, I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved, but man, I need, to be, I need to be lit again, afresh and new. I need to be set on fire for Him again. I, 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 I tremble at the fact that I might, another year may pass, and I don't, and I, and I don't, I'm not living in the way that pleases Him. I, I want my life to burn. I, you, you sing that. We sing that. But, but do you really want that? that? That I want my life to be used up for Him. I'm not staying. I don't want to stay anymore. A box of dryness. I want my life to count. You're here. You say, Ryan, that's me. I, I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved. But man, I want to I be led up for Him. I want to burn for Him. I, whatever that looks like in your life. Hands all over the place. I want my life to... To count for him. You're here and you would say, Ryan, I'm, I'm not a Christian. I don't know what this means. I, I don't have all the answers, but if, if, if the Lord has, has shown you today that, that he is Lord and that, 
He's a great Savior and you're a great sinner, I want you to know you can come and you can talk with someone. I'm going to pray and I'm going to have pastor come and he'll lead it out in, in, in the Lord's own way. But I want to challenge you this morning to ask the Lord to set you on fire for his cause. Father, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you, Lord, for your kindness to us. We thank you, Father, for this place and this weekend and the community that's taken place and that's tried to, that's put us on mission together, Father, this church. I pray that you will help them to see that and remind them afresh that we're not rubble gazers, we're God gazers. We look to you. So, Father, we see how big you are and how great you are. And, Father, we're not, we're not content to spend our lives just a dry box where we want to be set apart, set aflame anew for you. So, Father, I pray that throughout this place you will draw people to you in a way that only you can. We thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name. If um, you're here, I would encourage you this morning to make what decision that you just did public by coming to an altar and having someone pray with you if you feel you're dry and you need to be lit because that's what will make a difference in your decision someone else at that point in time knows about it and can help you with that decision and if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ and you'd say preacher that's me then my question becomes to you is why not because you know what weighs in the balance and that's your soul where it spends eternity. I'm going to ask this morning as they sing for you to make that decision and make it public. I stood one time in a sanctuary, heard a message almost exactly as in Chicago, Illinois over 12,000 people in one sanctuary and they had a guy say little is much when God is in it one match I was one of over probably 1,500 people that made our way down an aisle and prayed, God help me to be that match. I may not have been much, but God has used that decision through the years to see many people come to Christ.
who this morning will come and say, I want to be one of those matches and make it public. You want to be a match to your family. You want to be a match to those you work with. You want to be a match to your community. You want to be a match at your occupation. You want to be a match at the places where you live. It's easy to be a match in this room. But do you want to be a match wherever it is that you do life to the people that you do life with? That's where it makes a difference. Let's sing. May we burn with a fire, yeah, holy desire, oh, for you. May we burn with a fire, yeah, a holy desire, oh, for you. And we turn. these are here praying this morning and heads are bowed I'm going to ask you one more time to bow your heads if you're in this room and God is speaking to your heart about your need of a savior you'd say preacher pray for me I've never trusted Christ I don't know for sure if I died today heaven's my home pray for me would you just raise your hand where I could see it so I can pray for you anybody anybody in the room Hold it a second where I can see it. Pray for me, preacher. I'm not sure heaven's my home. I don't know if I died today that I'd spend eternity in heaven. Pray for me. Never trusted Christ. Anybody? I'm going to trust that everybody else in this room that did not raise their hand is saved. Here's one last opportunity. Are you burning if you're not? Are you burning for Christ? 
or are you just passively attending church in a box? That's a decision. One more verse if no one else comes while these are praying, then we'll close. And Lord, we pray, send a revival, we call your name, oh, send a See?